You got the job on the technicality of a legend who recommended you. You are nothing, you are a fool, and you are a waste of time. Good night. I'm, I, I've kept really quiet, but I'll tell you something. He went down in my estimation when he said that. I don't believe personal insults help it. Jack Charlton is quite right to be indignant about that, and the gentleman in the yellow hat really exists nowhere in the firmament of international football. The ten-man board of the FBI, the clowns, are now going to put the names in a hat. They're going to pick people who they've read about in newspapers. Give it a blam and flash it into the net. What a goal that was. And of course, Celtic. I agree. Ronnie just wants to say the word Schweinsteiger. Bastian Schweinsteiger. Welcome everyone to the Ballsuddy Football Show here with myself, Mark Faraday, Sean Meehan in one corner and Gary Connaughton in the other corner. Lads, welcome to the show. You're making it sound like me and Gary are going to have a fight. Hopefully. We That's might. my aim for this week's podcast. In uh, the, oh, you are wearing red. I'm wearing blue, technically. Yeah, it's, yeah. so it could be on. <laughs> Listen, it's ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. Uh, if this is your first time listening to the show, be sure to subscribe. You can find us by searching Balls.e podcast on all good podcast apps, or indeed by searching football and Balls.e if you only want to listen to a football offer. But why would you want to do that when we have so many other podcasts, including our GEA podcast every now and again? It's a bit, it's the off season at the minute, but we, uh, we still have stuff. Uh, GEA it. It hasn't got an off season. No. I'm convinced it doesn't yeah, have an off season. A lot season. of club As soon as, as, soon as county finishes, club starts. But the club starts. Football. When counties on, it's very confusing. Yeah, it's all year round. Believe me, as a man who's had to train <laughs> two or three times a week for about seventeen months in a row now, it all about your, your Sunday. Your Sundays uh, would be wouldn't be the same without it. Exactly, but uh, and then more importantly, at the minute we've got the Build Up Podcast in association with Labrooks on our feed every Wednesday evening or Thursday morning. We also have World and Union, which is also going up today. We usually go on a Monday, the football show, but World and Union comes out every Tuesday. Our rugby podcast. You can find all of those on the Ball Study Podcast uh, podcast feed. Um, I presume you already have found it if you're listening. So if you are listening, be sure to subscribe and do rate the show. Give us five stars and leave a review. Tell us who do you prefer, me, Sean, or Gary. And explain why it's me. Uh, <laughs> coming up on Fair this enough. week's show, we're going to have our hot takes in the Premier League weekend. Gary's going to round up how all the Irish players got on. And our big topic today, lads, is the most underrated Irish players in Premier League history. It's a history that both of you, you will not have much memory of <laughs> past turn of the century I'm trying to think like I can remember from about 2001, definitely same, 2002. Yeah. That's the majority of the Premier League. Yeah, you know, I'm only missing out on about ten years. Yeah, that's why. That's why we we couldn't do football history because one, uh, as all viewers will know, that uh, Premier League that was the begin that was the inven- invention of football. It only began then, <laughs> and also because none of us could remember a time yeah, before like the Premier League. Uh, but we will be chatting about that later on in the show. But first up, lads, our uh, hot takes for the weekend. I'm going to start with you, Gary. What did you notice from not just the Premier League weekend? It could be the football weekend. It could be something coming up. What was uh, what's what you have to get off your chest? Mine was from the Premier League, and my hot take was uh, that Granite Jacka had a point with what he did at the weekend. You know, last weekend, your hot take was that Liverpool United matches are shit. Yeah, I'm going to say that for your hot take, this you jump on you'll, you'll jump on a bandwagon. Or not jump on a bandwagon. That's, that's not you can you can. Yeah. T- Create the band, you can build a bandwagon, you try to bring us kicking and screaming on your bandwagon of, of truth, of, <laughs> of warmth. Yeah, so that's not, yeah, it is harsh, right? It's not what I mean. What I mean is, um, I'm expecting with these that sometimes you're going to come out with something that I'm like, that's absolute bollocks. <laughs> but at, at, for the first two, you've gone with, yep, yeah, definitely, I 100% agree with you. Um, is that not I just think, me being like, just incredibly accurate with everything, no? Maybe. I suppose. I Jack mean, had a point. Well, he absolutely had a point. As in, like, what? 
like was he booing because they were booing his performance or were, 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 sorry were they booing his performance or booing him walking so slowly off the field they were booing or just his performance they were booing him in general I don't yeah. think it's it's not down to anyone like he could have had a stormer and he still would have been booed I'm convinced by a certain section anyway yeah. definitely and listen Arsenal fans I mean you can't really group them all together as just solely Arsenal fans I know like there's so many different facets of that club and Xhaka, by a lot of them, not all, but a distinct minority have come out and they don't want Xhaka as captain. They don't want him at the football club. And they've just given him nothing but dog's abuse ever since he, ever, not ever since he signed. Like, and he signed for a lot of money from yeah. British and Munching Gladbach. And they were like, oh, what's this lad ever done? Bar hit a ball really hard a couple of times a year. Like, that's, or, or tackle people and get yellow cards every single time he plays, which is, which I yeah. always think is very impressive, but, you know, they don't see it the same way. But to be fair, we always, we're, we've poked fun at him numerous times yeah. in this podcast about him continuously getting yellow cards. But that's, that's but grand, that's but there's, to his actual, there's, there's his endeavor there. Like, I, I always think of, like, listen, the football team I support, Jesus, we're not great ever. We've never been, we've never been great. Like, or we, if we've ever Did had, you mean flair, like Chelsea or St. Pat's? Uh, St. Pat's, not Chelsea. <laughs> Jesus Christ! Like if we possess flair players, brilliant, but they'll always leave. Like they'll always go to better, better, better teams. But all you can ask for is endeavor and commitment. Xhaka, like he tries. God bless him. Yeah. He's not great, but he tries. Yeah, like, like we're not saying Granite Jack is a good footballer. Oh, I know well, he's like, a good well, footballer. He is a good Granit footballer. Is a good footballer. Well, like he's he's, he's, he's captain he's, of Arsenal and captain of his country. Captain, like he's, he's captain good. of Switzerland as well. Yeah, like, I know. Well, look, look, well, maybe not good. Wasn't the word. we're not saying. You know, we're not. He's not Patrick Vieira. Like, yeah, he's not like, Patrick Vieira. To treat any player like that, regardless of how they were playing, I think is ridiculous. And he wasn't. It's not as if like if if this was the Leicester and Southampton game where they were nine 0 down and they were booing, I'd be like, okay, right. But there were two. Two, two all against yeah. Crystal Palace. I know they were two 0 up, and results haven't been great. But they were two all, and the game was very much still in the balance. Yeah, and and, and plus, like even like Shaka's wife is getting it on oh, on social media. Like it's mad. Piece in the Athletic where they're talking about. Well, first of all, Torreira started crying on the sideline. <laughs> he couldn't get over what the, the, the reaction. And then the players had to call around to Shaka's house to try and console him that night. Like it's just. Bizarre. That's when that's that's when you know like there's a step too far of what you do as a football supporter. And I've gone rasher innumerable amount of times. Uh, if I boo, it's not to it's not to one particular player. It would never yeah, be to yeah. one particular. It would be yeah. to be to a team. And to be honest, I think I've booed maybe once in like going to watch football for the guts of fifteen years. And uh, that was like earlier on in the season when we lost three 0 to Palace. But I think it was deserved. Uh, just like, but just for the Irish fans again, if Jacka was out of the team next week and didn't play for two months or whatever, there'd be people alone. Get Jacka back to the team. Why is like the, like the this, I was just going to say they slid at Mesodosal for years, and now he's not playing, and all of a sudden he's Mesodosal. Is what's missing from and this I saw, team? I saw somebody. I think it was Donny Quack who said it, and he was like. Arsenal fans are looking at a player or they're going mad at a player who, listen, is, is, doesn't have all the talent. Like, he is talented, but he's not one of the best players that they're ever going to have at the club. But he tries. He's the captain of the, he's the captain. And he, and he tries. Jesus, that's at least, so you gotta give him some leeway for that. Definitely. But yet they're hell bent on trying to get a lad who has all the talent in the world, but has no application or no <laughs> will to apply uh, his talent on on the pitch for Arsenal. Absence makes the heart grow fonder. That's uh, big facts coming <laughs> out of you, Gary. Big facts. Uh, 
He kind of my hot take was going to be around the Arsenal fans as well, uh, but I have another one that's not quite as steamy. Um, it's just a little small observation I made, which is that Aaron, there's the, Aaron Connolly's uh, the penalty he got. It can both not be a penalty and be a very painful thing at the same time because <laughs> <laughs> that looked so sore. That did look sore. Yeah, it looked really sore. Yeah, and I, like I, you know, in those situations, like you try to get into your own head, like what would your reaction be yeah. if that happened to you? Like, I might have done a little Lucas Torreira. Like, I might have shed a tear. You know, <laughs> I think it might have been a penalty as well. To be honest, oh, I don't like, know. I think it was harsh. Mm. Like, it definitely was harsh. But I think like Conley was running and he stood in his foot. He didn't mean to do it. I don't think it matters. I suppose if you look at it sometimes when they're like, oh, there was contact there and you'll see like someone just like they'll clip their ankle yeah. or something as run away and they go down and like, oh yeah, that was a penalty, there was contact. Like, what that, what happened to Connolly is definitely more inhibiting of, or inhibiting to say it as the proper English, of, uh, uh, in terms of what he was able to do when the ball would arrive in than someone barely touching somebody and them going to ground. Like 100%. for instance, um, someone who I no doubt we'll talk about in Scoundrel of the Week later mm-hmm. on, uh, Callum Hudson the day with the slight push in the back yeah. that he got when he went down for a penalty. But that was it. I don't think there's an awful lot more to say about it, just that um, maybe I'm being biased because he's Irish and we can't put a foot wrong with us at the moment, but that Aaron Connolly may not have deserved a penalty, but he also did not deserve, although I don't think he got a whole point of it, of to be called out for making a meal of it. We got to we gotta protect those metatarsals of Aaron yeah, Connolly's, exactly. I think. Everything, every <laughs> fibre of his body, please. Please don't injure yourself, Aaron. Uh, I have a hot take. Uh, I'm going to bring it to the League of Ireland. Or not really the League of Ireland. It's more, it's, it's FAI Cup final weekend this weekend, lads. Yep. And it's Dundalk and it's Shamrock Rovers. The Women's Cup final is on before as well. Uh, this, every year, is relatively entertaining. But yeah. it's been inhibited somewhat because you've had Dundalk, who were like a very good football inside, and you had Cork, who are industrial in every way, you shape, and form. They, listen, right? <laughs> they, they for years they've been impressive, but they've they've dug in and they dog they were dogged under John Caulfield, and that was re- that was it. Like, and the odd time they had a player like Sean Maguire, who was just unbelievable. So he'll he'll notch a goal and they'll win a cup final in the last minute. Like fair play, but now you've got two football insides. You've got Dundalk and you've got Shamrock Rovers. In you know they're top, they're easily the top two teams in in yeah. in the country. They're coming up against each other. Uh, this has FBI Cup final. You're always guaranteed extra time. Or a last minute goal. Yeah. It's a, it's one it's one or the other. I think I genuinely going back through the years. I think it's either been last minute goal or extra time, and the possibility of penalties. And listen, you can't go wrong with that. No. But I think I think this one this this one's probably going to be the best FAI Cup final I've seen or will potentially see since 2013. Since uh, since Drogheda and and Sligo Rovers. Nil nil. Lock it in now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're definitely oh, completely, completely. <laughs> but the thing is, is that like this has the chance to be probably one of the highlights of the Irish sporting calendar every single year. It's the yeah. blue ribbon, and it just doesn't get the love it deserves. Mm. Now, again, from my biased perspective as a Pats fan, uh, the FAI Cup. That's all we have. <laughs> Sorry, go on. <laughs> we it's, it's we never had it. That's why we loved it so much because we we were Mayoing it for years. We were Mayo in the FAI Cup final. We had lost seven of them. 
Yeah. And then we finally won it. And it was a beautiful thing. I've seen a lot of people online giving out as well. Like, they're saying this is the Blue Ribbon event in Irish football and the tickets <laughs> didn't go on sale until about a week I, and a half yeah, before the final. Like, that's, that's another FAI situation yeah, right and look, there. we know what they mean. And also, also, somebody, somebody, I've seen people complain about the ticket price. Do you know how much tickets are? 15 euro. If oh, you're complaining Christ. about tickets being 15 euro, you weren't going. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You're, you're not you going to say, well, I was given a tenner, but I'm not giving 15. You can play 15 euro into it. You can pay 15 euro into a junior B final at <laughs> GA club games. And you probably, you probably get a decent amount of people there as well. Listen, that's, uh, my hot take is that the FAI Cup final is going to be one of the highlights of the Irish sporting year. Oh, of which it's, it's not been vintage. Yeah, so not <laughs> much competition in terms of highlights. So that's why. That's that's, that's why I have it. That's, that's why I have it. That's in a good there. take. That's I'm good very take. I'm very excited about you. We might even get you on the build up podcast later on in the week where we look ahead to the sporting weekend and get you get it get you together. I'm gonna amp up I'm gonna get amp it up again. Yeah. <laughs> get ready. Are you ready for a nil all draw with the possibility of penalties? Well, let's talk it back. We look at it. Last year, obviously, it didn't go to extra time. Then it went to extra time three years in a row. Yep. Then Pats had the fairly handy, but in the standards of the FAI Cup, Cup finals this uh, decade, well, two nil win. It was it, it was a two nil. Well, from what I can recall, and through tears, I can't really remember much. Uh, <laughs> it was an awful game. It was a terrible, 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 turgid affair. Well, Pats were playing, weren't they? Yeah. This, that was the year when we were we had Keith Faye playing in the middle for us <laughs> uh, speaking of Irish football Gary let's get on to our Irish football player roundup. so first up first up the Ireland squad for the Denmark and the massive test internationally against test New Zealand because you can't test. have it you can't have a friendly against New Zealand no, in not, November the no. all whites uh, the squad has been named Robbie Brady back in Shane Long in this is obviously the extended squad so there's possibly been a couple when the two lads are playing Premier League football Robbie, Robbie Brady comes off the bench gets two assists at the weekend in six minutes yeah now, <laughs> accidental assists some of them might have been. <laughs> I, I, I saw that in, I watched that whole Chelsea Burnley match and then only afterwards realised that Robbie Brady accidentally got two assists fair play to him yeah, but the first one wasn't really an accident second one uh, was a bit more of a sort of yeah. bit of massive deflection as well sure. the first one was a five yard pass followed by a 30 yard scream yeah it was <laughs> <laughs> so um yeah, like there's 39 people in the squad. Like I reckon we weren't too far from getting yeah, called exactly. into it. So I don't yeah. know how much there's stock not you much can to learn. Even like I, 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 I recall uh, a song by the Grime Supergroup BBK from a few years ago, and it was titled "Too Many Men." <laughs> and every time I see an Ireland squad, that song just rings in my ears. Yeah. So, so like we have Troy Parrott in it. We've Nathan Collins, Obafemi, Kevin Kelleher, obviously all part of the under 21 team. The one missing, if you're putting all these under-21 players in, is Jason Malumbi because he's been tearing it up for the under-21s. He's been their best player. He's also tearing it up for Millwall now. He mm. took him a while to establish that. The yeah, he's, finally, he's finally in the squad. Yeah. and uh, yeah, But he's not in the Ireland squad. By all accounts, he seems to be Millwall's best player. They're, at the weekend there, they won. They beat Stoke. Hello, now, last weekend you were telling me, oh, that was QPR. I think Ryan Manning. Um, yes. Just okay. we're, we're the best club. We have the best player at each club in the championship by the sounds of it. Well, I'm just going by what Twitter is saying, <laughs> and Twitter is never wrong. Um, but they, they're, uh, Millwall fans have really taken to him. So it's a bit weird that he wasn't in the squad. But I don't know what story is these under 21 players. Like, Ireland are playing New Zealand on the 14th of November. 
when the Irish under-21 team is playing Armenia away in a qualifier the same night. So are we going to take players away from the only one twenty one? Like no, the don't. thing, the thing about Collins, like if we look at Collins specifically, Nathan Collins, is Nathan not Collins, James. yeah, not James. James is a bit too old for the under twenty ones, but Nathan Collins doesn't start for the under twenty ones. Mm. Neither does Michael Albafemi. Like Connor Masterson and Daryl O'Shea, the uh, two first choice at the house for Stephen Kenny. Albafemi, like, is in and around it, but he's only he's only been part of one squad. Or fifth for one squad under under Stephen Kenny, so you can understand that maybe listen. You can throw them into a senior squad if you're picking your first choice under twenty ones team. Are they in it? But if you're picking your first first choice under twenty one squad, Troy Parrott's in it. Uh, well, obviously Aaron Connolly's in it, but Aaron Connolly's he's now senior, a senior international a senior now, so he's already the the, the ship has sailed yeah. on him. Like, because that's what I'm just wondering. Like, I know I can understand maybe us wanting to give. Mick wanting to have a look at these lads against New Zealand possibly but is there any point like do There's any no of point us actually believe that Michael Obafemi Troy Parrott Kevin Kelleher Nathan Collins are going to play against Denmark I also I, I don't think they, I, might, they probably won't be in the squad I don't think Collins. I think well Parrott seems like he's yeah, it's basically like, assured his debut yeah. against, against New Zealand but what's the point if he's not going to play against Denmark would you not just leave him with the under 21s like but, what's but, Mick, what does Mick McCarthy have to gain at this stage but the only thing I'll say in sort of defence of it is that if he like if he rips it up against New Zealand and listen he could do yeah like, could. you know like he's got that he's that much talent that he could do and just completely shock us and Mick would have no choice then to not at least give him a run out against Denmark because yep. what have you got to lose then if we're nil all against Denmark 15 minutes ago are you going to go with your steady eddies are you going to go with someone a bit special like Scott Hogan will come on Scott Hogan will come on <laughs> Scott Hogan actually hasn't done too badly every time he's come on no, in know. the past couple of matches it's just a bit of a running joke because he said himself he shouldn't be in the squad so. I know yeah, which is hilarious but yeah. I, 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 that's the thing it's like are you going to you can't be too conservative in those situations because if we win we're through yeah Exactly. Like you know? no, you're you're right, and that but I don't understand sense. why uh, he would keep he'd have them in the, around the squad for the New Zealand game. Given that he kind of made a joke of, I think I remember what some journalist asked about for the Bulgaria game, and he's like, "Have the under twenty ones not got a really important qualifier on? Why in the name of God would I be playing them then?" Yeah, exactly. Them from that squad, what's changed since then? Yeah. And he's, yeah. got, he's got a couple of bad results. That's what's changed. Yeah. And just- I, I also I also think uh, under twenty one qualification. Like that doesn't showcase like good work that Stephen Kenny does at that level as well. Yeah. I don't think qualification should be, like qualification would be nice and we would like it because we haven't qualified for a Euros at that level. But surely him show him showcasing how good Parrot can be, how good Connolly can be, how good Malumbi is. You know that surely that showcases more than maybe getting close to qualifying. Yeah, makes sense. Look, uh, there's not a whole lot else to shout about really from the weekend. Uh, Josh Cullen was scored a last minute penalty uh, for Charlton. They drew at West Brom, who are top of the championship. That's all, that steal. That's a steal. steal. That's By a- all accounts, he uh, he um, played really well. It says here he said after the game, "It's football. They're the moments you're in the game for. I enjoy being under that bit of pressure, and it was nice to be able to put it away and make sure we at least got a point, which is what we deserved." So, so I like that mentality too, you know. And. Um, Kieran Westwood is the one, right? We just need to, yeah, that's we need to talk to about Kieran Westwood. He's in the extended squad. He's in well. the extended squad. He was in the squad last month as well, but he had to pull out due to injury. Um, Darren Randolph, I don't know what story is. It's good. If he plays, it's going to be very touch and go by the sounds of he, it. He's confident that he's going to be back. Okay. Mick is in constant communication. He's in the squad. Uh, 
Yeah, it'll be touch and go. It'll, it'll be another be Shane Duffy situation, I'd imagine, like last month. Yeah, or earlier this month. Well, if it's if it's like a Shane Duffy situation, you'd be delighted because Shane Duffy yeah. looked so right as rain. If Darren Randolph doesn't make it, who's going to play? Because we have in the squad now we have Travers, we have Kelleher, we have uh, O'Hara, and we have Westwood along so with Randolph. Travers played against Bulgaria. He did. He started. And then O'Hara Westwood, came on. O'Hara came on. Westwood didn't play, but then Westwood is the most experienced. And he played really and well for Sheffield United or yeah, Sheffield Wednesday. Exactly. Sorry, at the weekend we were talking about this last week in the office, Sean. The fact that Kelleher, right, Travers is twenty years old. He's under twenty-one as well. Yeah. The fact that he's the, seemingly the second-choice goalkeeper for the senior squad, but Kelleher is first choice for the under twenty-one squad. Who's actually higher in the pecking order there? Uh, Travers. Yeah. Do you well, think? like. Travers for McCarthy, if you're going by a hierarchy of like... Do you think that maybe Kelleher is, but they want to see him, they want him to play more? I think I think it might be the opposite. I think it might be um, the reason why Kelleher is first choice for the under 21s is because Travers is automatically a senior squad member. Okay. And I, he can't, he can't, like, Kenny can't be seen to... To pick him, yeah, you know, I genuinely don't know. Is that it's the yeah, no, yeah. it's, it's interesting. The, the sort question. of inner workings of that is pretty funny. I yeah, I I think I I would imagine Travers is first choice. He's like closer to first choice for his club. Well, he's second he's choice, third choice. Yeah. Boric is making the bench. I know maybe they just want to have an experienced player. On I the think bench. it's. I think that might just be the case. But, um, like it's it's. It's an interesting question. I don't know. I'd imagine Tra- like, like Travers would be the favourite, but Westwood has to be an option now because he's so experienced. Well, he has twenty caps for Ireland. He's played in big games before. You're not going to have Kieran O'Hara in there now. No, like no offence, Kieran O'Hara, but he hasn't. You know, like Kieran West- Kieran Westwood has played. I don't, I don't think he's played in a competitive game since 2013. Though yeah. is the only thing. So, but we'll see. He have to go Westwood. Someone pointed out Sheffield Wednesday fan was like, even if you've Darren Randall fit. Kieran Westwood is not a bad option to have to raise in like completely. You know, but no, albeit Randolph has been brilliant and hasn't really put a foot wrong since he came into the team, or especially the last couple of years since he's been brilliant for Middlesbrough. Um, some of them, some of the, some of those games seem to be just Randolph on his own against whatever team they're playing against. It left to be interesting to see. Like we said, we can't learn an awful lot from uh, from that squad because there's about you know there's I'd say about seven uh, adult males left over in Ireland <laughs> who aren't in the squad, uh, including Jason Malumbi. <laughs> Anybody else from the weekend's action catch your eye, Gary, not, or is that it? Not hugely. Aaron Connolly, again, we talked about him. Mac, uh, Matt Doherty uh, set up the Wolves goal. He started in a back three as the centre half, and yeah. then at half time was moved back out to the right and did his usual trick Apparently there. The back but, uh, three thing isn't working really either. James um, Coleman seems to be dropped by Everton as well. Yeah, Sadibi started instead. I'm, is this is, I don't think it's worrying. I think it's, I think it's long overdue, in all honesty. I don't mean to be mean, but Coleman, I don't, like Coleman again, uh, the Swiss was a shell of himself. And I think yeah. actually, to be honest, I think he's been fine for Everton. But Gibral Sidibe, like I remember, like from his Monaco days, was class. Has a World Cup yeah. medal. Like it's hard. Only one game anyway. It's only he was, he was out, he obviously missed a game with, with suspension and didn't get started the weekend. It seems and like Everton again, for so. the last while have been trying to get him out of the team. Though it just seems like this could be it where he finally does loses hold as being first choice. Yeah, and then plus, in that game as well got an assist, but well, not an assist, but got fouled for the free that goal game for from. a bit of arson. We were yeah. talking about it a few weeks ago. And then got fouled for the penalty. So. Yeah. He's getting in fancy football terms. He's getting. He's bagging. He's, he's getting loads. He's bagging of the assists. Get him up in the box. Lump ball. Let him win something. We're going to beat the day. Even though he's like five foot seven, <laughs> doesn't matter. It's brilliant. <laughs> right. It's time for our scoundrel of the week. 
The David Louise sponsored, not officially <laughs> sponsored, Scoundrel of the Week. It's uh, in the works. We have our nominees in this week, lads. Who's going to be crowned the Scoundrel of the Week? Uh, my first nominee up are the Arsenal fans. They're all, they're always, always Arsenal nominees in this. Last Inevitably. Week, last week, last week was the first time there wasn't, I think. It, it was yeah. unsettling. Yeah. I didn't enjoy it. As but much. now they're back and they're back in, they're back in their droves because yeah. it's the entire Arsenal fan this. <laughs> Uh, for Boo and Xhaka who, are, who else would we nominate? Uh, another Arsenal man has to make for me uh, Gwendozy Gwendozy Bill Gwendozy uh, <laughs> I, th- I thought we said we were going to stop doing that as well. <laughs> Gwendozy Gwendozy his uh, rugby tackle on Wilfred's like generously described as a rugby tackle I'd say on Wilfred's eye in the 90th minute of their game to stop Zaha running the length of the pitch like, to score. It was like, you know, it's 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 a, it's a heads up play. It's, it's a heads a black up play. Card. That's a black card, ref. It was a stonewall black card. You know, you know, you don't let people. It's like in basketball, you don't let people run the break. You know, but like Zaha was being chased by Socrates and Louise or someone like that, and they were not catching him. He was he was get death, getting a one on one with the keeper there, so like, he had a good yeah, chance to win the yeah, game. Yeah, no, like it it was a, it was a smart foul, but yeah. it was just the the way in which it was. The, although that being said, like, what would you rather if you were running through own goal? Would you rather be like rugby tackled the way uh, Ginduzi did it to Zaha, or would you rather him just like clip your heels as you're running? I think I'd feel less hard done by uh, if I clip my heels because at least you can at least make the argument that he was trying to play the ball or he was close enough to you to kick you he wasn't even close enough to kick me he had to dive and rugby tackle him yeah you know fair play that, you know I, I kind of I, I feel an element of, of pride in Gendouzi for doing it it's just <laughs> you know like you had the gall to do that yeah, fair play it was proper scoundrel behaviour oh completely and utterly you know he could uh, be getting a second he could be getting a second uh, SOTW had a possible nominee in here but then does Mason Mount take penalties for Chelsea no who takes them Jorginho Ah, yeah. Yeah, so definitely Callum Hudson to die. Because I was disgusted in one way because I thought Mount might take this because I haven't been fancy, obviously. <laughs> and then. Uh, <laughs> it's the only reason you thought he was going to take because you haven't been fancy. <laughs> well, he, he does think he's, 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 he's the free kick and yeah, like, exactly. corner he was, taker, only after, so. he was just after getting an assist for uh, a corner. Um, Hudson to die going down to the box. Easy. He went down, down easily. He did wasn't in. Listen, you can have contact. And it can't, like, you can have contact, but it doesn't have to be a penalty, but it doesn't have to be a dive. I looked at it, I went, it's not a penalty. I, I like, immediately, like, as soon as it was pointed, I was like, that's not a penalty. Uh, look back, was like, I was looking at the fee, not a penalty. Then I, I was only after I saw the push. It was I went, a dive. It was a it dive. A dive. It wasn't a dive. I call it, it what was, you want, it wasn't, wasn't it? I know what you're saying there, the Daniel James one that was given, I'd say that wasn't a penalty, but also probably not a dive, the one against Norwich. Yeah. That would be more for that, but Hudson Adoy one was a dive. Alright. Is that wrong? <laughs> That's fine. Uh, and then lastly, we've got the Southampton Leicester match. 9 0. Two nominees for this for me. Johnny Evans being the first one, because Johnny Evans, rather than lads, let's go easy on them here, ran up to everybody at 6 0. So Jamie already said on Sky after the game, and was shouting at the Leicester players that they could break a record here, keep going, keep pushing. <laughs> <laughs> Which is the right way to. It's like when. Uh, during the summer at the Women's World Cup and the US like was driving the score up against Thailand. Score, the whole point of the sport is to score goals. Go score your goals, boys. Yep. And, uh, it, was, it, was, it was brilliant, I'd say, for Brendan Rodgers as well because he was trying to tell the team, he said, when we go out to the second half, it's nil all. Start from scratch again. Keep doing all the things you need to keep doing because this is about 
longer term. So having someone like Johnny, Johnny Evans on the pitch shouting at everyone. In, to keep an an experienced nine. head telling you to keep going because we want to drive this score up. <laughs> and you had one more from that game, Sean. Did I? <laughs> The Ipswich Town. Oh, yeah. It wasn't really from the match so much as the social media surrounding the match. It's all the one he did. <laughs> but, uh, uh, of course, uh, Leicester equaled the record from uh, 1995 where Manchester United defeated Ipswich Town 9-0 at Old Trafford. Uh, so, after the full-time whistle, the Ipswich Town Twitter account just decided to quote tweet the Southampton tweet saying it was 9-0 to Leicester with... Uh, Join us. Join us. <laughs> Join us. us. Skip. <laughs> when Homer, is Homer Barrett trying it's to get Lisa to yeah, watch TV? Yeah, it's yeah. just patting the couch. Just patting the couch. All right, so who are we going to give it to, though? I, I, Gwen Doozy. <laughs> or, I, I don't know. I, I think Arsenal fans. I don't know if that's scoundrel behaviour, though. Like, scoundrel is sort of a, like a cheeky, ha, you're a scoundrel. That was vicious. Yeah. <laughs> that, was, yeah no, that was actually, no, you're right. That was a calculated attempt to destroy a man. Gwen Doozy could be our first two-time winner of the <laughs> Not Davin even Davin Louise has done that. <laughs> Will we give it to Gwen Doozy? I, th- I think so. Just purely for like the, the sheer gall of him to try attempt that. God yeah, bless him. I'm happy with Pateo. that. Yeah. Gwendouzi, congratulations. Uh, you've, you're our first ever two-time winner. He's done it the, again. Of the Balls E football show, David Louise, Scoundrel of the Week. <laughs> Lads, the big topic on today's Balls E football show. We're talking about the most underrated Irish players in Premier League history. We've both put together... I've We said top five when we were having the meeting about this. Yeah. Anyway, we said, let's put together top five. I have five, but I haven't really put them into any order. I might try and do it as we chat, but at the same time, I might just keep them in the, you know, introduce yeah. five nominees and then we can con- decide on a consensus. Yeah, yeah. I, I've won definite, like, because I didn't really see it as a Premier League one so much as a sort of generalized Premier League era yeah, one. Yeah, that's what I but even it to at be the same, well. But even at the same time, like, does cross over into the Premier League somewhat. It kind of makes my yeah. point for me. We were talking about this earlier on in terms of uh, what the criteria for this is, and it's very hard to pin down because underrated is just such a vague term, but there's probably a few different ways you could look at it here, and these players all kind of fall into one of these categories. Either they were underrated at club level and appreciated at Irish level, maybe appreciated at club level and at underrated at Irish level, which doesn't happen all that often, but... I'd say underrated by Irish supporters yeah. underappreciated by Irish supporters is definitely a big one for me yeah. when I was putting uh, them together and then also underrated in history so at the time they were maybe well rated perfectly rated but as the history books go on now and suddenly the only players you talk about are your Paul McGrath and whoever that these lads are there in those teams and they're just they've just been forgotten about and they're not maybe because they're, maybe they're a big media profile or whatever it is but it's just to remind ourselves how good these players were so there's lots of different criteria these could fall into uh, we started with you Gary for hot take Sean I'm going to start with you for a big topic who's your first person in the nomination list <clears throat> so the first one of my five I've gone for a lad and this is the lad I was talking about in terms of I didn't really think Premier League solely I just thought of his whole career uh, and I went with Graham Kavanagh Oh, right. Oh, I like it. And the reason why is because, well, Aaron Ramsey's hero. You know, to see and <laughs> that's that plays that that's, plays into yeah, it. Yeah. That plays into it. Cardiff City legend. Um, he started off at home farm, went over to Middlesbrough very early at eighteen. Then, then like and and Middlesbrough were a Premier League side when he was playing for them. Played one season in the Premier League, two in the first division. And then back in the Premier League before going down the leagues and played a few times for Middlesbrough, but he was young. 
uh, and didn't really get enough games under his belt. So he went all the way down to Stoke then in League One. And when you look at the end of his career, Graham Kavanagh was in the League One team of the team of the year or the second division team of the year five times. And he had played, I think, the guts of about eight seasons at that level. Like, he was far too good for that level. Everybody could see it from a million miles away. But I think it's testament to Kavanaugh that he had a, not a distinct peak, but had a certain peak in his career when he was playing for Middlesbrough early on. Then went through the leagues, got a few Ireland caps here and there, but didn't really, wasn't a mainstay in the Ireland team. He only became a sort of mainstay, the tail end of Brian Kerr, when he returned to the Premier League with Wigan. Um. So I'm going with Graham Kavanagh as my fifth as my fifth player, just to showcase the sheer like the tenacity to get back up to a level that he was at a very young stage in his career to become a better footballer for it. Go with Graham Kavanagh, number five. It's a compelling argument. I enjoyed that. Yeah, yeah. I actually that's a brand. Also, so- Silver Fox, by the way. Can <laughs> I just say that Silver and Fox. There's also uh, things of like this where players are going to come into this who we've like the other two in the room won't have thought about which is the perfect yeah exactly perfect uh, summary uh, uh, summaries of the the quality of these players and the fact that they're underrated Gary who have you got like this this is like so I did rank them right uh, so this is my fifth one and this is going to sound a bit weird to say this he's underrated but I think John O'Shea simply for the fact that when you look at what John O'Shea won as a player yeah he won five Premier Leagues he won a Champions League, he won an FA Cup, he won two League Cups. He was at Man United, who were the most consistent club team in the world for over a decade. He won 118 caps for Ireland, which is the third most ever. But does he really be talked about as one of the greatest Irish players of all time? I don't think he does. I think you're right. You probably do have a point in that. Like, if you look at someone that is kind of his peers, if you look at, like, say, Richard Dunn, and he had that day in exactly. against Russia, and he's kind of maybe elevated to another level, whereas... They're both, don't get me wrong, Richard Jones is a great player, but like John O'Shea is at least of his calibre, if not better. Well, like even at that, you've got Dunn who had certain, certain peaks in his career and was obviously a great player for like Man City. Like John O'Shea was a consistent member of one of the best teams in world football. Like Richard Dunn was the best player for a mid table Premier League side. Like, his level, like, their levels, they're both international footballers and both, legend, both Irish legends. But O'Shea is just kind of, because O'Shea was so cultured as well, and like, I know we joke about it, like, you know, the way he nutmeg Figo and he chipped, <laughs> he chipped Almunia, like, it, like, I think he was too cultured. He couldn't have a day in Moscow like Dunn did. Yeah. Because yeah. Dunn was a rugged, you know, get in, get stuck in defender, whereas O'Shea always took a step back and always, you know, he was just had a bit more footballer about him. I think that's why he can't be looked at in that regard. Yeah, but also Richard Dunn is probably underrated uh, among non-Irish fans. Yeah, yeah, of- exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so Robert Richard, I don't know, we don't know how he made this. In. It was me who accidentally made this into a Richard Dunn versus John O'Shea, thing. <laughs> but, but it was just I, an I just example. Think, of- I just think he's kind of overlooked as being like one of the greatest ever, ever Ireland players. When you actually look at his CV, it's yes, as in as the, good as if you're putting together a. An all-time, even not even an all-time eleven. If you're putting together, which you might do on the show at some stage, an Irish eleven of, say, the Premier League era or since the Italian, Italian ninety inclusive, John O'Shea probably doesn't get into that back four. But as in in the conversation, but maybe he does actually deserve to get into yeah. that back four. Also, he could get into the back four in case we're missing something. Like you know, he could play anywhere. You play yeah, anywhere. You know, John O'Shea. Another thing that he suffered from just because probably put him in goal time. as well. Yeah, as you know, he did play. Uh, goal he did play. I know he did. My number five. Uh, even though I don't really have them ranked, but I'm going to say uh, first one I'm going to talk about because he's kind of separate to the others. Uh, Rory Delap. 
Okay, seven, okay. Or 359 Premier League appearances. Kind of became a figure just known for throw-ins, but obviously had a brilliant career. Not a brilliant, a brilliant career in the sense that he was a, a Premier League footballer um, for a long period before that, before he went to Stoke. He had 21 assists. He's had 23 goals. Guess how many errors leading to a goal Rory Delap had in his 359 Premier League appearances? I'm guessing it's not going to be many. <laughs> yeah. One. <laughs> Okay, I remember. It, I remember it well. <laughs> this is according to PremierLeague.com. There's uh, like he. First of all, there's two two ways of the fact he's underrated. One, he was underrated at international level. When I say underrated, it's not even the right word. He just was not used enough. Overlooked. Yeah, overlooked. Completely. Like of those, like his last of those 359 appearances, he made 177 at least after his final cap for Ireland. Like the whole Stoke era, he never played for Ireland. He was he was t- Tony Pulis's best weapon. He kept Stoke in the Premier League. He went to Stoke actually on loan from Sunderland, broke his leg, went back to Sunderland, and Pulis then went and signed him again anyway. That's how much he valued him and wanted him in his squad. He had like the throw in thing itself, like the, the, both in terms of the fact that it overlooks, I think, just focusing on his throw in the, the other part of his game, which was he was a very decent footballer. But then also, when you, if you do want to just say, right, let's just talk about the throw in thing, like it was an, an incredible. Uh, incredible thing yeah, to have in your he life. Caused, he caused absolute havoc. Yeah. Garrett Southgate had players volley balls from the edge, edge of the box to try and prepare for it because nobody in the Middlesbrough <laughs> team were able to recreate <laughs> what was going to happen. Still didn't work. Rory Lapp takes a throw in, Middlesbrough score a goal for Also, him. Ricardo Fuller owes a, an awful lot to Rory Delap yeah. as well Phil Brown when he was managing Hull City got them to take in the advertising hoardings <laughs> near the edge of the field so the Rory Delap couldn't have a run up uh, a proper run up for a throw in he also had Dean Windass run up and down in front of him trying to warm up <laughs> and then Boas Michael was so afraid that he actually put the ball out for a corner rather than oh, a throw in that, yeah. <laughs> and, like, and, this is, and this is all uh, missing from an Ireland team who have Notoriously thrived off set pieces. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Why doing? would you not have a weapon like They're that? They're just two analogies they picked out from a brilliant piece on the Football Times about uh, Delap and how underrated he was. So, just for that purpose, I think he was undervalued at international level, underutilized at international level. And in general, I think the the throw in thing is almost sometimes, I don't know, I wouldn't want to say the word laughed at, but it was just kind of a novelty kind of thing yeah. where it's like, do you know, no one's talking about, nobody was talking about Roberto Carlos's free kicks or. David Beckham on set pieces as a novelty kind of thing. It's like, this is a serious, serious weapon. I also believe he's one of only three players to have over 100 Premier League appearances for more than, for three clubs. Oh, along with James Milner and... I can't remember the other one scared me. Could be Gar- not Garrett Barry, is it? Garrett Barry? Could be, be Garrett, Garrett Barry, Barry, yeah. They're yeah, the yeah. only other two. There you go. So like, there you like go. said, the man made a really, had a really good Premier League career. See, if we didn't underrate him too much at international level, like his son could end up playing for Ireland you know <laughs> and his son's supposed to be brilliant Lethal. there you go yeah. is he any good at throw-ins <laughs> <laughs> we can teach him <laughs> uh, number four on your list Sean right I, for number four I went with a baldy man called Lee Carsley <laughs> <laughs> he was I was between Delap and Carsley yeah Carsley was nearly made up mine as well I, I think just just for one distinct part of his of his career was when he was at Everton like he was a mainstay in that day. If he was fit, he was in that team in always for Moyes. Always. Like the yeah. the Baldy boys in the middle. Um and like it, it's evidenced by, you know, he's a he's a rock in the midfield. You know, they, they finish in the top four. If they're not finishing top four, they're finishing in the top six. Exactly. Um and he went from being a championship player, like perennially in between, you know, 
he was almost like a, a midfield Michael Chopra, like a too good for the championship, not good enough for the Premier League until he went to Everton and had that spell under Moyes, you know, beside basically whoever you put beside him because you could, you know, you talk about Gravis and, and you kind of, you just remember them because they're both very bald men. <laughs> like, uh, I think he didn't move to Everton. He was like 28 or something as well. It was, I, yeah, well, it was 2002. Yeah. So it was, a, it was a season that Everton were close to, re, like close to relegation. And then, you know, Moyes comes in, that's his first full season, brings in Carsley, and then obviously you have like the likes of Rooney who, who bursts onto the scene, and then it's kind of a perfect storm. But like Carsley, Carsley's got a lot of caps for Ireland. He got about 40 odd caps, but there, there's, there's a reason behind it. It's because he was very good at, at being a multifaceted midfielder. He was a defensive midfielder at the start of his career, then Brian Kidd was like, just go a bit further forward and he was class and then when he went to Everton Moyes was like go a bit further back <laughs> <laughs> so he ended up just being a tweener that was capable of sort of making a burst and scoring some crackers it's the John Giles school of central midfield in my day you could defend when you needed to defend and attack when you could attack <laughs> and that's what Lee Carsley did yeah. and uh, it's, it's a shame that he's part of the, uh, the England underage setup yeah. because Ireland could he's, absolutely use yeah, him England's gain is Ireland's loss uh, Gary, who have you got number four? Number four on my list, I went for Stephen Hunt. Uh, I think Stephen Hunt was underrated for what he did in that era under trap. Like when you look back at that team, and we all know that the style of football wasn't exactly the most attractive or creative. Like we, our wing, our fullbacks were uh, John O'Shea and Kevin Kilban, who like while very good players, obviously weren't exactly the most creative. Oh. Our two central midfielders were Glenn Whelan and Keith Andrews. Again, not the most creative. So there was a lot of creative burden placed on Stephen Hunt, I thought, and I think he's kind of overlooked a lot for what he did in that team. Like he, he's kind of like Carsey. He's thirty nine caps. Didn't break in. Didn't get makes debut until he was twenty six. Um, he was, but like he was a good player for Reading in the Championship when they got promoted. When he went to Red, when they got up, he was really good for him in the Premier League. He yeah. played for Hull. He played for Wolves in the Premier League. Always played well for Ireland. I thought. Uh, never got a game after Euro twenty twelve. Just that was it. Just cast aside after that, after being one of the key players in qualification. There were a lot of games as well where the games were crying out for him. Where like, she's why is the Stephen Hunt starting here? He was kind yeah. of like one of the people who were in that Wes Andy Reid category. Yeah, Not as much he would have played started a bit more, but there were certainly times when you're like Jesus, like when Hunter come on and he would just cause at least havoc. do something. You know, yeah, havoc, havoc for Stephen Hunt can can include a lot of things. Now, Mark, <laughs> um, I always prefer now. Um, just and he hair. wasn't a League of Ireland snob like Stephen, but you know it is what it is. The hair was underrated as well. The hair, the, you know what? Actually, can we talk about that for a second? <laughs> the hair was crazy good. Like he he had, I'm like imagine how heavy that was raining when it's raining. Like that thing would have been the fact the new hair when he retired and cut the hair and, and then, then he was, was all slick slick fox. now yeah. he's a silver fox he's in the yeah. Graham Cavanagh school now <laughs> for Graham Cavanagh going on bring it back Stephen I say if you're listening bring it back please uh, I have I want to put three people into the same bracket here right <laughs> okay. so from number four down to number two all together clear <laughs> number one though mine aren't in order but, uh, but I'm going to put these in the same three because they are I couldn't decide between them uh, and they're all I think in my eyes underrated is Stephen and Stephen Carr and Gary Kelly <laughs> the right backs the right back <laughs> Brigade, right, we, got call, we call Gary them the Kelly right backs and Stephen Carr, both of them twice in the Premier League team of the year. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Steve Finnan, who is just 
criminally underrated. He was a brilliant. Like, Rafa Benitez kept my memory is Rafa Benitez continuously buying right backs to try and replace Finn and, and Finn and just seeing out all of them. And yeah. if you look at the, uh, the Premier League stats again, if you're on the Premier League.com, it's brilliant for stats. These ones are so good. I, I'm almost I'm almost worried about the fact that they may not be true, <laughs> <laughs> but you have to you have to. They say it. They're the actual Premier League. Uh, I, I was like, who can I compare these lads to? And then I compared. I thought Finn and. Like a player that was at the same ilk as him or the same time as him as uh, Lauren for Arsenal. Around the same time, Lauren probably regarded as Arsenal's best right back in the history of the Premier League. I'm trying to think of Lee anyone. Dixon. Lee Dixon would be Lee the Dixon, one. yeah. Him and I, th- I think Kevin. you're probably going to have Dixon ahead of Lauren because Lauren wasn't a right back. Lauren was, a, Lauren was playing out of position, but he was quality at right back. Yeah. He was kind of, he had to play and he was shoehorned in there. But just to give you an example, right? Lauren, 184 appearances for Arsenal. Finnan 236. Sorry, Lauren 154 in the Premier League. Finnan 236 in the Premier League. Lauren 52 tackles. Finnan 177. 52 tackles? How do you make 52 tackles? <laughs> I'll just go with PremierLeague.com. <laughs> yeah, no wonder you were like, this can't be real. <laughs> There's no way a man who was a defender made 52 tackles over the course of how many seasons did he play for? 176 appearances, a tackle every three games. Yep, uh, 671 passes. So about six, less than six passes a game for Lauren. Uh, 2,804 for Stephen. <laughs> I'm going to have to question these stats with Lauren. You see where I was going with this. <laughs> I think but, if this is the Premier League website that, that these stats are from. You have to them. You've got to take them at face value. Uh, if we're talking overrated, Lauren, you're on the list, baby. You're on the list. Jules won. 310 for Steve Fitted. Lauren, 81. <laughs> 81 for Lauren. Clearances, 346 for Steve Finnan. He made over a clearance a game, almost two clearances per game. Lauren, 61 in 184 games. He made a clearance once every three games. <laughs> Were Arsenal so good? He only Lauren? played once every three games. He was wheeled out onto the pitch and just did 90 minutes of kind of running a bit. Were, were Arsenal so good that he didn't have to defend? Or yeah, to basically. He was, he, if you look at that Invincibles team, you I can kind of look at... these stats aren't right. <laughs> oh yeah, but even, no, even like, like I'm that, taking the stats, I accept Even at like that, if you look at, like there's certain positions that you probably could have improved in that Arsenal Invincible side. Steve Finnan would have improved at the right back I think all the players that you named would have improved Arsenal at right back because just the way you lump the three of the lads in together are obviously three right backs isn't it kind of a shame that they all played at the same time and yeah. like roughly the same period and that's probably the reason why all three of them are in your list is because if the other two weren't around Stephen would probably have 100 caps for Ireland yeah, and exactly. the other would, would same with the other two yeah, exactly. Exactly. Stephen yeah. Carr obviously had injury problems um, but for a player who wasn't actually like if you look at Carr he didn't he wasn't playing in a Champions League slash Premier League contestant team, yet he's in the Premier League team. I, of the I year think, twice. but that's tes- that's testament to to Finnan as well. Like Finnan got into the team of the year with a newly promoted Fulham side as yeah. well, and Kelly got into the team of the year in '94. Like the chap was about seven. Yep. Stephen Carr's Spurs' youngest ever Premier League goal scorer, I believe. Because I was go. looking it up at, at the weekend because Troy Parrish was, was wondering if well, what was the story about Stephen Carroll. Finn was for a while, but I can't remember if he still is. The only player to have played in the conference uh, division three at the time, League Two now, League One uh, Championship and Premier League with the same club. And then went <laughs> on and played 
<laughs> Champions League final. <laughs> oh, was it the same club? Sorry, no, he might have been with Notts No, he, he the, would have been. He, Fulham were in, he joined them when they were in the second division, I think. Yeah. Um, but he's the only player who played in all of them. He is still the only player to have played in all those divisions and also the Champions League, Europa League and Intertoto Cup. <laughs> <laughs> so there's no chance of anybody else <laughs> ever doing that. Uh, so we've got Finn and Carr, Kelly. We could talk about all of them individually here for ages, but I think they all fall into the same bracket. Absolutely. They were just really yeah, good yeah. right backs who um, who probably suffered because of the fact, as you said, Gary, that they all their ears all kind of overlapped. Yeah, I, I, I have Stephen Carr as as my underrated. The man himself, that's just underrated. I, I, I try to encompass as much as possible outside of his Premier League uh, credentials, of which he has quite a lot playing for you know Spurs and uh, Spurs and Tottenham uh, Spurs and Newcastle uh, but did retire when he was 31 then like he retired at 31 because of his injury injury problems but had Hertha Berlin were after him uh, Celtic were after him West Ham were after him uh, Bows were after him like just just to throw the, just, just, just to throw Bows in as well um, but then comes back to Birmingham in just at the tail end of the season they get promoted captains them to the league cup like cap- captains Birmingham <laughs> to the league cup in a season they got relegated big like, up Wojciech Chesney for that one oh Jesus <laughs> oh him and Lauren Koscielny Jesus where are they now what but Stephen Carr encompassed quite a lot like for a lad who had such grave injury problems, he managed to last until he was 36, which is great going. Um, yeah, I say in my notes... for top five, I think. I say in my notes, retired the guts of 15 times in his <laughs> career, which I think is, is... Which I don't think is an overstatement. Who have you got uh, up next, Gary? James McCarthy, for me, just because I thought that he was an absolute figure of hate for a number of Ireland fans for a while there. And like... James McCarthy, when you look back at four or five years ago, was one of the best passing midfielders in the Premier League when Everton were challenging for Champions League. He was there, the cog that kept him going. And when he got, whenever he played for Ireland, I think he suffered from the fact that we just played awful football and he was kind of expected to do everything himself and he couldn't. I think and the reason why as well is because he was the symbol of such hope Yeah, for like whenever he burst on the scene at Hamilton and, you know, Real and Barca were after him, you know, allegedly. And everybody's like, oh, he's Irish. Like, he wants to play for Ireland. And then there was that whole, oh, will he, won't he? You know, he did eventually. There was no chance of Scotland. Like, he was no chance he was going to play for Scotland anyway. Yeah. You know, it was like McGeady. Like, he was he was Irish. Um, but I think that kind of soured him in a lot of people's opinion. And then when he actually started playing and started for Ireland, uh, he, like... At club level, like brilliant player, like easily like Wigan's shining light. Uh, and then when he went to Ireland, it was it was a whole like it was everything that encompassed playing for Ireland at that time under trap, where it was like oh no. Yeah, I think if he was the age that Jason Malumbi is and Michael Obafemi and was in that under twenty one team now, he'd be talked about a lot differently than he had been has been because I just think he came a bit early. Although he came at the right time but wasn't used properly was probably the way to look at it. And he there was also, I remember, in the Euros with... Uh, was the, the Euros were Keane and uh, O'Neill are in charge. Why do I say Keane first? Martin O'Neill is in charge <laughs> and Roy Keane happened to be the assistant. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like, he was suffering from a lack of confidence, I think, around then. And yeah. like, he had a big game against Italy 
and you could see it even coming off the pitch. You know, the, the they were so embracing when the sidelines. That was his big performance, and that was when he was coming in for a lot of criticism. Yeah, uh, he he showed up like yeah. in that match. A lot of players kind of showed up when they needed to. Yeah, McCarthy. I can remember coming coming away from it and being like, "They're going to say Wes changed the game and blah blah blah." Like I thought, two players that actually were brilliant that day was when McGeady came on he changed the game not Hoolahan I know I'm sorry uh, it's true <laughs> and James McCarthy yeah so I'll just give you my number two now as well I have Rory Delap, who we already talked about <laughs> in depth but uh, one thing I don't think you mentioned is that he only has 11 caps for Ireland 11 yeah. like for the man who played 359 t- times in the Premier League like that's and it's also mad. played a quite considerable round of games in the championship as well. It wasn't uh, yeah. just you know, like that's not his entire yeah. career. So um, I have another lad that made eleven caps for Ireland, but it was not Rory Delap. <laughs> Dean Kiley. Oh yeah. And now the reason why I've put Kiley in is because there was an ilk of the, like there was an ilk of goalkeeper, and we've been blessed with goalkeepers over over the number of years. And I was going to say Alan Kelly as well. I was looking at Alan Kelly. Yeah, well, yeah. like Alan, but Alan Kelly got about 30-odd caps just by virtue of being second choice, you know, under uh, Paggy Bonner. And then he was first choice for a while just before, just after Bonner retired and then just before Given, you know, came into his own. So I went with Kylie. Kylie has 11 caps. Uh, he was Charlton's Player of the Year twice. When they uh, when they got into the Premier League in the uh, in the early two thousands and they were just a solid side and Kylie was a solid uh, goalkeeper. It's kind of it's it's indicative that um, Trap wanted to keep him around when he eventually uh, when he when he joined up with Ireland uh, and Kylie actually started in Trap's first match. Oh yeah, he played mm-hmm. the full ninety against Serbia at Kroger, but uh, then. I think like it, it ended on a sour note, which might like which might play into people's hands and thinking that you know Kylie wasn't that good. Um, but like his best years were when he was thirty plus. You know, he had started virtually every match for for Charlton, um, made over a hundred and fifty hundred and fifty appearances in the Premier League, got two assists as well. So he, he was a decent <laughs> man for the, he was a decent man for a long ball. More assists than Lauren, according to Ferdinand. <laughs> 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 I've got to keep it with Loren, Lauren. No, no. We call him Lauren now. Just Lauren. because we have everything else wrong about him, so I may as well yeah. get his name wrong. Yeah, as well. Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no, no. We're not talking about. Good man, Lauren. We're not talking about. Lorraine. No, we're talking about. <laughs> do you remember your man Lauren that we used to play? Yeah. He was would explain, would explain a lot. Uh, so, who else have we got? Who else have we got, lads? Uh, so, I want to talk briefly about honourable mentions. Um, and I've only got one hour because we could be here all day. So I've got one honourable. I'm going to give one honourable well. mention before my final one, um, which is to Kevin Kilban. And like Kevin Kilban probably is actually perfectly rated as a player, mm. but I just have. I was reading the piece that Mick McCarthy wrote uh, of not the Ireland manager Mick McCarthy, the editor boss that Mick McCarthy <laughs> wrote on the site a few years ago with the 25 best players, Irish players of the Premier League's 25 years. And there's a brilliant line in here from uh, him talking about Kevin Kilban. And this just shows, we talk about the Premier League stats on PremierLeague.com for Lorraine or Lauren or whatever you want to call him. Um, while always, this is what Mick writes, while always an important cog to Premier League teams. So Mick writing here about Kevin Kilban says that uh, while he only managed, he only managed 15 goals in his 325 games in the Premier League. But according to the stats on PremierLeague.com, he scored three of those with his head and none with either his right foot or his left foot, which <laughs> begs the question, what did he score the other 12 goals with? 
You know, you know that. Like, I, I don't care if it comes off his arse if he scores. <laughs> Did he score all those goals with his arse? He I must wonder. have arsed them in. And they yeah. also gave him Lorenz tackles as well. <laughs> he just, he just had them. <laughs> uh, the other person I wanted that's in my top five is Andy Townsend, and I think. It's not, I obviously don't really remember him. I remember slightly as a player. Um, I remember his bleached hair. I remember more from Premier League sticker books, I think, in my youth than actual his skills on the field. But obviously having watched games back and looking at you know history, I think he kind of gets unfairly forgotten about to an extent when we're talking about that great team of Irish players. I think I think it's it's down to what happened in intervening years. He could have been looked at like that. It's just kind of the way in which he commentates and the way he I was goes 100%, on. Hundred percent. This is exactly what I was going to talk yeah. about. Um, in that there is a point where, if you look at the other players, right? If you think of Houghton, McGrath, uh, the lads from that era are lauded. They spend an awful lot. A lot of them would spend a lot of time on. You know, the Paul McGrath is obviously a legend and was probably the best player of that team. But the other lads, the likes of Houghton, the likes of even, you know, slightly earlier um, years like Ronnie Wheeler and the likes, they're on Irish television all the time and we kind of have an affinity to them a little bit more. They're part of the family. Whereas Andy Townsend obviously then went and commentated for ATV. All his media works really in the UK. He went back to live in the UK. Or went back to, he always lived in the UK. But, um, and I think that kind of, that sort of alienated him slightly. But this is a man who captained Ireland, has over 70 caps, He's captain so many. Look, he captain Chelsea, captain Middlesbrough. Um, I, 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 I you can name a team, and he's yeah, probably, he's he probably, probably didn't even play for them, but he captained them. Yeah, like. exactly. <laughs> and like, there's a sort of he had a brilliant interview a couple of weeks ago with um, Stan Collymore on his podcast. I think it's called The Last Word, not the today event, the last word, but a different one. Um, and he's talking about like, his affinity to Ireland, and, his, and the entire thing is literally him talking about his Irish international career and how proud he was to represent Ireland. And all that. And then like, there's other things. I remember doing a project in college, doing research on just like the idea of national identity and looking at it in the context of soccer and in particular what it means to be an Irish soccer player. And again, there's interviews with Townsend talked about not having a massive, not feeling massively Irish. Like he wasn't, you know, going over, you know, beating his chest uh, for the green and gold and going over to Ireland all the time. He qualified through his Irish grandmother. But again, he goes into this, with, you know, he said the more he played with Ireland, the greater like he considered himself fully Irish then come the end of it and but the thing is that he also considers himself English yeah in the sense that you know he said he's a proud Londoner will always cheer England on but I you can be both of those things like yeah in, in I, the I, reaction to the Collymore interview which again goes into such depth about all this people were like replying to our um, article about it in the comments and social media talking about like oh screw him he says we when England are playing on commentary he made his bed blah blah he used Ireland I like, that's not true you can he, be both a proud like, Irishman and English and he made he made like he like he made that great point about like how could he have used Ireland when Ireland's <laughs> midfield when he started playing for Ireland was immeasurably better than England's midfield like <laughs> the other point he listed off all the players he listed off Carlton Palmer <laughs> <laughs> it was like either midfield that I go into there was Kevin Sheedy, uh, Ronnie Whelan, uh, Paul McGrath, Ray Houghton, <laughs> and England. Wait, England Liam was that Bra- Liam Brady. <laughs> was that Carlton Palmer? I think I had a chance. And other players whose name I can't remember who says it all. Exactly. That's not what Andy Townsend said. That's what I say. Um, 
And like, so there is that, like, that I think it's just because he has that slight disconnect. I there's also things you hear stories of, remember, again, Mick, who we mentioned earlier on, talking about uh, some game where Ireland and England were playing at the same time in either the World Cup in 2002 or one of the Euros where Andy Townsend was going to be doing analysis on it and they were giving out an ITV at half time to him because he's like, oh, Andy's here giving analysis and all he's done is been, he's been watching the Ireland game for the last four minutes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but they, they're things that people will, will overlook because they've listened to him on CoCom with Clive for yeah. however many years and it's just been... And because ITV do England internationals yeah, yeah. as well, I think that that's, that, that's what people look at. Yeah, uh, definitely underrated. Absolutely, a hundred percent underrated. Even, like he's bang. He was in the PFA Team of the Year, I think five times. And even again, if you look at um, what we're talking about here, is all like his whether he feels Irish enough or not, or was it? If you take that, if you're just being kind of blunt about it. That doesn't apply to whether he was a good, a fo- good footballer. Because he was a brilliant he was footballer. A brilliant footballer. Yeah, like, <laughs> so like, and again, he was one of those John Giles centre midfielders. Could do it going forward. Could do it going back. The John Giles school yeah, of centre. Could defend when he did defend, attack when he did attack. Was captain of an Aston Villa team that was like we think of Aston Villa as we think of them now. But this was a brilliant Aston Villa team. They were finishing in the top four of the Premier League. They had players like Paul McGrath, Ray Houghton, Steve Staunton, and Andy Townsend was the captain of. A compelling argument. Can't, can't argue with it. <laughs> have you got yeah. any, any honourable mentions, I think, Gary? I, I think most of mine have... Uh, I had Lee Carsley, I, Alan Kelly, I was thinking of... So who was our number one? We didn't do number ones yet. I thought we were doing honourable mentions. Oh, and go, honourable mention going into number one. Yeah. So, do you want to give me my number one, so? Yeah, my go. number one is Glenn Whelan. Glenn Whelan was... Remember I said this is going to the podcast. I was like, shit, I have done my top five, but the first person I thought of isn't actually in my top five because I was so sure of him being in it that I forgot to write him down. <laughs> he was literally the first person I put in as well. Yeah, Glenn Whelan, 100%, is one of the like, most underrated players. I, I was going to put him in and then went, like, you know all the Glenn Whelan revisionism that we've been doing over the past couple of weeks where we've been like, jeez, Glenn Whelan's a cracking player. Like, yeah. he actually was Are a Are we actually player. overrating him now at this Yeah, point. exactly. Like, no, like, but I think, it just be, I think it might just be because, you know, he's come back into the Ireland squad um had a very good performance against Switzerland and uh, you know he's about 70 odd so like people are giving him props but they're just they're deserved props and 90, they're long overdue 90 caps 277 Premier League appearances not to mention his appearances in the Championship he played at Sto- in a Stoke team in the Premier League for how long best part of 10 years who tried to replace him every summer like you were saying with Steve Finn and 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 Hossamy at Liverpool Hossamy. he had like Every summer, but Stoke. even even like Stoke amped it up as well. They tried to get in some like they spent the, the good to here. Imbula, did yeah. you? I was just thinking the first name I think of is Gianelli Imbula. That's nearly twenty I'm, million pound spent on that lad. <laughs> I, you're thinking a bit too attacking. Yeah, you're thinking a bit too attacking. Even in terms of central midfielders, they were signing lads every summer. And I'm thinking more along the lines of Roy Delap actually for attacking threat. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> like Glenn Whedon is just it's again this thing of. It all came down to just the way Ireland play football, which just isn't attractive to watch. But every team, no matter how good they are to watch, needs a Glenn Whelan in it, who just is a midfielder, who can make tackles, get around the pitch, get the ball, lay it off. Like, I'm not comparing him to Roy Keane, but Roy Keane said he he made a career out of getting the ball off lads and giving it to someone better than him. And like, that's probably a bit 
<laughs> that's not really fair Roy Keane here yeah it's a bit simplistic yeah, on yeah. Roy Keane but like Glenn Whelan does that job and we he were, does it damn well as well uh, we were talking to Kevin Doyle on the Build Up podcast a few weeks ago actually before the Georgia and Switzerland game and he was talking about how good a player he was both on the field and off the field to have around in terms of organised people and like the camaraderie bringing in younger players into the squad for Ireland, all this kind of thing, which is also an important part. You know, maybe especially nowadays, if he's I was going to say if he's not playing every game, he ends up playing every game. <laughs> yeah. But just to have him there. But also, I remember like at the height of the Glenn Quill and criticism, people were overlooking that like we were like oh, Ireland were set up with you know a defensive team, no attacking threat, all this. But we were also a pretty good defensive team as in we were good at defending we were good at block, well, at uh, stopping teams racking up scores against us and a lot of that was down to Whelan I remember the game against Ge- Germany the way that we actually ended up drawn was uh, one of the John ones where yeah, yeah. he had gone off I don't know if Whelan went off injured or was missing for that game suspended he went off injured in the first half and John Giles again keep bringing up John Giles we talking about <laughs> him on commentary about how they were missing him so much that he was McCarthy. He was usually be playing two hole midfielders at McCarthy, and that Whelan was organising everything and instructing everyone, pulling them around the pitch, which is something that never. And this was on a panel that they never even played. They never praised him for that when he was no, on the field. I, and it was just when he was off the field. Like, it's not like yet. that's that. Like if if fed into that, like and Dunphy was a devil for it. The like and two and cars it was comment and all the two cars, which which is like it's really sour now. Like he, like you can tell that that's just an agenda based point. It's like that there's one he fo- wanted yeah. to make. If there's one footballer you don't associate with that sort of thing, it's Glenn Whelan. Yeah, but who like, cares if he like he gets money because he's a Premier League footballer yeah. and he's a damn good footballer and he he has that money he can spend it on whatever like, he likes. Like Glenn Whelan was in the. I was. I don't. I wonder. Part of it too is. Um, maybe Glenn Whelan for all the time he played for Ireland never really. You never heard him in the media talking. And I wonder, did that kind of play into yeah, the hands like, of people criticizing him? And, then? Uh, what, like, like, he never because got he's not vocal. Because he's not vocal in a media sense that you couldn't possibly be vocal on the pitch. What's he actually doing? Exactly. Like yeah. you don't, you know what he's then doing. There's also the thing that you overlook his actual abilities on the ball because, like, I'm not going to say he's David Silva or anything, but like if you look at even games last week, last year, Aston Villa getting up into the Premier League, there was I think it was four all when they drew at Nottingham Forest, Whelan came on and they were losing four 0 completely changed the game. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> like, and you, and the, the thing is, it's like it's what I said about like McGeady and McCarthy, the way they kind of changed the game against Italy in the Euros in twenty sixteen. McGeady when he came on wasn't the McGeady that's like trying to you know, spin his way to goal. Like he was just taking the ball in and he was playing it off and he was playing simple passes that would bring Ireland up the pitch. Yeah. Like People forget that it's McGeady that had the wherewithal. People were saying, throw that ball in. He passes it off to Houlihan. Houlihan whips it in. Brady scores. Like that kind of, that kind of footballer and that kind of football and nous, you, you definitely over, you easily overlook it. Yeah. Like, yeah, like we talk, yeah, exactly. Cause you talk about Glenn Whelan and what's he actually do? Like these saying he gets the ball and passes it five yards, 10 yards forward to someone. We've seen how many times for Ireland in the last 10 years. It's not that easy to do it. Or at least we don't make it look easy. Yeah. Anyway, you know, so someone who can does that and then add in what he does off the ball, they can be a really, really important player. So that's what I think. Definitely, like, I can't really call further, like, years and years ago. But in, since I've been watching Ireland, I think he's the most underrated player that we've had. Yeah, I, 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 I'm inclined to agree. I've got, I've got, I, I keep on mentioning Aidan McGeady. Uh, and I, he wasn't my honourable mention before I came into this podcast, but he is going to be now. Uh, he got I I don't want to say underrated. I just think he got a bad time of it. Yeah. Uh, like because he's he was an absolute flair player. 
Mm. Um, and sometimes it comes off. More often than not, it doesn't. When it does come off, we get we get a win out in Georgia. Not an easy thing to do, <laughs> as as we know. Um, I was thinking McGeady as well, but then I was kind of thinking there was sometimes when he's with Ireland, he was a little bit overrated. I yeah. thought at times, and it's kind of like, kind of come it, the other way now. Yeah, like as he as he could kind of come in and like he was a like a Champions League level player for quite a, a lot of his career now because he was probably playing for Celtic and for Spartak Moscow, but there was a reason why Everton bought him. Yeah, it's because he was a very very good player. Mm-hmm. Um, that people forget about. Also, uh, wanted to mention Kifai. Just you know, <laughs> just if he was if he wasn't injured, he would be like he could have been up there towards fifty caps. I think he was that good representing. And he best was player, like, I think you said you ever best best player I've ever seen in the in the League of Ireland in the, the in, League of Ireland, in the League of Ireland. Well, it makes it, it makes it handier because I got to see him week in week yeah, out, yeah. and it was first sorry second spell at Pat's Kifahi. He's had three of them. Not the later career where he had no knees. Not the first one where I wasn't a Pats fan and I didn't see him. Uh, that lovely little second spell where he was just unbelievable. You know, like on a level with, I presume, like if Rovers fans, like if they're watching week in, week out, probably what they're saying about Jack Byrne now, just unbelievable. Like just a million miles the best player on the pitch. And you can tell, and the only way it's evidenced properly is really in European games. So where he's given a bit of space and there's lads kicking him and <laughs> like uh, like you look at Jack Byrne and when Rovers were playing in Europe this season, Jack Byrne was the best player on the pitch and they they were the matches where I probably I I, I believe the hype yeah. with, with with in terms of Byrne because the four times I'd seen him for, play for Rovers against Patsy did nothing and that's kind of an inherent issue with with him but. I, because I watched Fahi and I have such like I, I lauded him so much I can't remember all the times he did nothing but he probably did nothing yeah. quite a lot of the time so who is your number one my number one is Andy Reid oh. another one I, I thought of as well but I forgot to get Andy Reid listen if he didn't have those fitness issues my guy was just class there was a goal that was coming out on Twitter last week it was like when Andy Reid ran the end of the field got tired so just honked it into the top <laughs> 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 it was like <laughs> for Notts Forest in the championship I can't yeah. remember who it was against but it's oh who was it was it West Ham I think it might have been West Ham it's brilliant he just gets the ball at the edge of his own area runs the entire line of the pitch and then just thumps and it and then just whacks it like Andy Reid and I, as I said to Gary uh, off air like Homer pick and he thought it was going to be Fahey no I'm going with a Dublin 12 legend the owner of halfway cabs on the Drimna Road Andy Reid uh, like, free advertising you know, you gotta deal with him sometimes, you know. <laughs> Big respect to you, Andy. Um he I think it was evidenced by how good he was at the beginning and at the end of his career. And again, I'm I'm talking championship, but he proved that at Premier League level as well. But I just want to talk about when his first spell at Knott's Forest before he went to Spurs and his second spell. Like he showcased just how good he was at that level. Like easily the best player that Knott's Forest had in those two spells. Um and it was evidence what they missed him when he was gone in both in both ways. Like when he left for Spurs, him and Michael Dawson, obviously, like that's a duo that went, and then all of a sudden, not as far as took about two three years to actually adjust to that and get back to a level where they were consistently getting into the playoffs. Then when he left a second time, they became relegation fodder and were fighting at the uh, at the opposite end of the table. He just he galvanized the squad of players like like really, it was almost like a one man show. Uh, at Knott's Forest and he was the catalyst for it um, and he was a player that certainly when he that that move when he went from Knott's Forest to Spurs and he was getting into the Ireland squad and he was scoring that free kick against Cyprus scoring against Italy people could see it then but because of his fitness issues and like 
he had real fluctuations of form. It was like it was like a case of he wasn't always if he was on top form, you, you were going to get the business. Like and there was not many people that could stop him, but mitigating factors meant that he couldn't do it on a consistent level or else he would have gone on and like been a really big player for Spurs like on the level that like Dawson was for years yeah. at Spurs he was Wes Hulahan before we had Wes Hulahan yeah completely sense. and and I think it's evidenced by like Hulahan didn't really have that many injury problems really yeah. and that's why like because Wes is the same age as Andy Reid the only thing I would argue with you on this is that your points are all perfectly valid, except that he was probably only underrated by your Trapatoni. Everybody else in the world rated Andy Reid. That's fair, yeah. Like but he, the, he's yeah. not underrated. Well, no. Well, if he's underrated by a manager, I think it counts. Like, I, 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 to, to be honest... He only won it, 20, it, 29 caps. Right? And also, you've got to... You look at it in one sense as well. Like, if he's underrated by a manager, you don't see him in an Ireland jersey. So, you, like, you have an awareness, but if you're going back over the years, it's like revisionism again you're like do you remember Andy Reid he was a cracking footballer yeah. um, why did he not have that many Ireland caps I just remember at the time it was a massive deal that he wasn't playing it yeah well I, I, I it can remember like, it yeah. it was sort of you know Jesus like Rory Delap kind of thing where he's like he was overlooked you know, completely like, yeah no whereas people really were making whereas yeah. at the time it was, like, it was the biggest issue in the country but I no, think but there was, there was I, I think there wasn't requisite requisite uh, reason to, to overlook him like at least in Trapp's perspective I don't understand why maybe because then you're shoehorning him in 4-4-2 you're, you're, like that 4-4-2 you're going to have Keane you're going to have Keane and Doyle up top yeah. and you're going to have Andrews Andrew and Whelan the whole, you need a, you and need you're not playing and, and at that stage when Trapp takes over Andy Reid is only 25-26 but he's only 37 no yeah exactly <laughs> but he's not you're, you're not playing him you're not yeah. playing him on the wing like you, you, he's not a winger like he has to play centrally and he has to be part of the ball like it's like Andy Reid morphed into Wes Hulahan two players that should really be if they were available should be playing consistently look at I can't argue with his qualities like I said the only thing I would have with it is that he's not I don't think he was underrated enough I think he was actually rated by everybody uh, but we are running out of, we are way over time already <laughs> so we don't have time to put a consensus top five deal but what we might do is put a post together on impossible site. to do I think let, anyway yeah, <laughs> let people rank vote them let's see if the balls readers can decide who of all the people we've mentioned actually should go into the overall who top five I know we forgot people I know we yeah, forgot another, mention, another quick one I wanted to mention was Liam Lawrence who is I don't think at the minute because he's still we're like oh yeah Liam Lawrence is a good player but Liam Lawrence is one of those players that are probably never going to get mentioned about playing for Ireland again and like in 10 years time no one would be like how many mentions have there been of Liam Lawrence on national media or whatever it's like, that lad was he had very rarely had a bad game he was he was great he was great for a goal at venues that Ireland very rarely yeah, played in baiting up the wing and getting Fif- across yeah. 15 caps in two years Liam Lawrence that's all he only I played, he only played for Ireland between 2009 2011 because I remember that he came into the team just before the kind of France game like yeah. around a couple of months before that that's all he played 15 he, caps. he literally was either starting or not he never played again how many goals did he score for Ireland two and one at the RDS and one at Tormont um, Park, wasn't it? <laughs> Look, so, never at the Aviva. <laughs> just just at these it. locations we rarely ever played at. Look, we really need to go. We're completely out of time. Um, if you do, uh, if you are checking out Boss Eddie later on this week, be sure to check out that article on site and have your say in uh, who should get into our overall top five of the most underrated pre- players, Irish players of the Premier League era. If this is your first time listening to the show, like we mentioned, be sure to subscribe. Please do rate and review the podcast. But until next week, mind yourself. Yeah.